RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today. And I think the group is very enabling. So if you see mums in the area and they're like, oh, I couldn't do park run and you say you totally can't like please just come um, and then they go from doing a park run then they go to doing a road event like say Sydney surf and then all of a sudden they come out for a trail run with you and then they say oh this is really fun I never thought to go out here yeah. and then all of a sudden they're signing up for really big events like UTA and that's what really warms my heart is that people in the area they've gone from not believing that they could even do parkrun to doing these really big, great events. Yeah. It just gives you this different reserve of power, I find. Like, I just, like I've said, I don't really love really hilly, rocky, technical <laughs> trails, but that's what this whole thing was about. Yeah, it's the technical thing I've ever done, but yeah. I felt like I just breezed up these climbs because I had other things in my heart I just felt lighter I really just tried to run a bit faster for the start enjoyed the sunset and then I ran consciously lifting my feet um, being very careful and enjoying that little section in the dark and I just remember looking up at the stars and just seeing this blanket of stars like I've never seen before yeah. I just wanted to stop and lie down and look at them because I was like no, no no keep going keep going and nearly at the finish Hello, RMA. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode 51. I can hardly believe that we have gone past episode 50, which was our last podcast episode with RMA Community Ambassador Nicole Dukes. And I hope you loved listening to her story. I wanted to say a big thank you for always listening and sharing the podcast with your friends. We have great listeners every single fortnight. And I also wanted to say a big thank you to our major sponsor Physiocrem Australia so you can go and check them out. This week on the podcast keeping with our theme of our RMA community ambassadors I have our community ambassador for Sydney Natasha Hammond. I wanted to share Natasha's story because Natasha has a really interesting background. She is the daughter of a Russian refugee who came to Sydney and raised his family here. Unfortunately, her father passed away when Natasha was only 12, but he's left a really great legacy behind and one that Natasha has enjoyed following. Natasha is an amazing runner, but not only that, she is really beautiful and community-minded. She's always interested in getting RMA girls together in our Sydney suburbs. Um, She lives in the inner city And she also has three children who she takes along on some of her adventures. Natasha loves road running, but she's recently, in the last few years, dabbled in trails and ultra running and most recently gone on to run at the Lara Pinta Street stage race in Alice Springs, which we talk about in this episode. I wanted to get Natasha on to talk about her life 
Not only is she a fantastic runner, Natasha is a really talented, creative person. She heads up a business with her husband and is a creative de- director of that business. And we just wanted to, yeah, I guess get to know her a little bit more in this episode. As you'll hear in this podcast, we talk about how Natasha got into running and what running actually means to her. We also talk about her humanitarian work, working with the refugees from Ukraine at the moment and how that has impacted her life this year. And we talk about, of course, her experience crossing over some of the terrain on the Lara Pinta and what that meant for her running journey. I hope you love this episode as much as I did, and I hope you get to know Natasha a little bit better. Let me introduce you to Natasha Hammond. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm happy to have you on. Um, You know, in choosing my guest for the podcast, I like to have a huge (laughs) variety for the podcast of all different RMA women from all walks of life. And you are one of our RMA community ambassadors for Sydney. And you've been in RMA for a long time and you're a good friend of mine as well. And so I thought you'd be a great person to have on because you not only are a good runner, but you, I guess your life has lots of different facets to it. And, you know, you're creative, um, you have three children, you run a business, yes. you love to run and you love to be part of community and you have a passion for women and running. So yes. I thought we'd cover all those different things in this podcast um, so that people can get to know you a little bit more. And you've done a great job in trying to, I guess, um, gather and involve yourself within the RMA community in Sydney. And yeah, I think by people getting to know your story a little bit more might help a little bit more too. So welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) So we'll get started with, I just ask all my guests a little bit about their background first. So do you want to tell the listeners like where you were from, where did you originate from? Like were you born in Sydney and a little bit about your story growing up? Yeah, sure. So uh, I was born in Sydney, um, so born and bred and still here. Um, I'm in inner city Sydney, uh, so right in the thick of it. Um, luckily, very close to some beautiful parks and our harbour. So uh, I'm very passionate about um, Sydney running, Sydney events and Sydney community. Uh, we're very uh, dense populated areas and uh, it's can be hard to get everybody together, but we do our best. Um, so uh, my name is Natasha Hammond, I'm 44 years old. I've got three children that are 12, nine and five. I'm also a graphic designer by trade. I'm a creative director. I'm in a business with my husband and it's in the interior design industry. And um, my design skills are very, very broad. So I've worked in everything from television 
um, advertising through to I've designed simulators for training military. Uh, I art direct photo shoots and can basically design and handle any marketing or graphic design need. Wow. Great. Well, there might be some people listening that might need those, those skills. So you never know where this could lead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I, in school I was really strong in maths, computers and art. So um, I've got a very creative and technical family and, yeah, a lot of engineers through to interior designers. And it just was very clear from early on that this was kind of the direction for me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, my family, very tight-knit little family, um, I had uh, two younger brothers and mum and dad and yeah, we lived in Sydney our whole life but um, have enjoyed travelling more in my adulthood. Mm. So what's your heritage? Because I know that you've got European heritage, don't you? Uh, so my mother's side is quite Anglo but my father's side is uh, Russian. Uh, I did the ancestry DNA and it's actually uh, one third Finnish Scandinavian origin, which was a huge surprise, but yeah. uh, identified it growing up as being Russian. And uh, yeah, I was forced to go to Russian school every Saturday and all I wanted to do was little athletics. So um, <laughs> uh, it, it was in hindsight good in a lot of ways that I was learning another language that was quite complex. Um, yeah. Definitely helps you for learning other languages later on. Yeah. Helps with travel, and uh, I did classical ballet and Russian folk dancing as well through that. But yeah, always had a yearning to be playing sports and enjoying myself. And yeah. school for a six day of the week. <laughs> oh, of course, and I'm sure many kids could relate to that because I've had friends that had to do not Russian school, but I mean other different cultures so on a yeah. Saturday I think Juliana mentioned on the podcast maybe it was Juliana yeah I think, I think so. that she had to do something like that too on a weekend yeah. but um yeah was that more of your dad's influence I guess than your mum's or was it a combined yes. um he he firmly believed in us um learning about our culture and language and wanted us to be fluent speakers so uh yeah yeah I just had to go um at first I really enjoyed it, but then it became quite a slog. As I said, I was quite torn, not wanting to go to school for another day of the week and wanting to do other things. But, yeah, in hindsight, um, my father did pass away when I was 12 and uh, him getting me to be part of that culture early on was quite important. Um, yeah. yeah, and I guess I should also say that I'm very much anti the war in Ukraine. Um, and so the way that I've reconciled that is I've been doing a lot of volunteer work within the Sydney community. I've been working with the Ukrainian Council of New South Wales and doing donation drives and getting um, care packages in the hands of refugees that have been arriving in Sydney and um, also helping with their logistics of trying to get help with visas and connections to schools and community and to fluent speakers in the area. Mm. that's been a great way to at least try to do something positive out of a negative situation that's happened. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. And yeah, I have seen your, your stories and things on Instagram and you know, the work that you've been doing in that space and that's, yeah, it's just lovely that you're helping out in that way. And I guess, 
you know, looking back at um, what your father, you know, instilled in you about your culture and heritage, it's good that you're, you're bringing out good, a good thing as part of that um, and helping those in need in this situation. Yeah, definitely. And I, I have to say, I think um, the fact that I've done a lot of um, fundraising for other charities through my running, um, like Share the Dignity, and that really taught me how to put together care packages of things for girls and women mm. who are in crisis and just give them all those great toiletries and little niceties that can just help um, make a really tough situation a bit nicer for them. So, yeah, I, I really put that kind of experience into practice for this project. Mm, I love that. Have you met, like, like any of these people in person yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's just so heartwarming. Um, yeah, until recently there was about a 1,000 refugees that had arrived in Sydney alone and there's more across Australia. Um, so because Europe has been inundated with refugees, they have tried to send them abroad wherever they've got any family contacts at all. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there are some even in my local community here that have joined my children's primary school mm. and I was able to meet with them. I've connected them to fluent speakers. I've um, delivered fresh bed linen sets to the girls, um, toys, books, a whole lot of things for the mother and the children. Mm. help get them settled and so that's been great that it's just even in my own local school but beyond that we've been uh, I've involved my children as well we've been putting the care packages together we've had some great friends that have actually helped um, donate goods from a cash shop and also help with funding the care packages as well and we've put them together and we've taken them on Saturday mornings I've done about five car loads so far mm. Packages and we've taken them to the centre, and there's been refugees there picking them up straight away, saying thank you. I actually put secret little handwritten notes inside each bag as well for the children and their mothers, mm, saying, saying um, we can't imagine what you've been through, but you're safe here and and loved and welcome to Australia and things like that. And I've seen the mothers find these little hidden notes and burst into tears. So it's mm. just it's heartwarming to do something on the humanitarian side when yeah, you feel so much despair. Absolutely. And I guess this is an ongoing need, like this isn't, hasn't, this isn't stopped yet. <laughs> no. an ongoing need. So, I mean, I'll just, we'll just make a note now, like if people do want to donate or, sh or, you know, send goods for these care packages, where can they donate to? Um, if you contact the Ukrainian Council of New South Wales, um, they've got a whole lot of links on there and also for active um, participation in um, protests. And there would be uh, some kind of council like this in each state. Um, there's definitely one in Canberra and Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, I can provide some links to you for the show notes if you like. Yes, please. That'd be great. We'll put that in. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks, Natasha, for sharing that little bit of your story because, you know, it just paints a picture of the type of person that you are and how giving you are to community, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast. Now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just pull myself back together now. I mean, just just the, the, just the whole thought of what those people are dealing with. Um, we don't really, we will never really understand, um, yeah. but... Um, 
yeah, I, I just feel for not only everybody, obviously, but the women and children, I mean, the children particularly, I just feel for them. Like this is not a world that they wish to grow up in. You just, we just didn't expect to see this in no. era. Like you just think surely they've learnt from these previous wars, but, you know, obviously they haven't. Um, and I should also add that my father, he came to Australia as, as a refugee himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a family of four with two suitcases and they had to just build their whole life again. And so that's the other motivator is that I really have spent my adult life trying to make my father proud and I thought that this was a great way to actually do something in his honour. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm sure he would be so proud of you. Thank you. All right, well, let's let's talk about a bit of more uplifting things now. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the running journey. Like what led you to running in the first place? Um, I think at school, I mean, I didn't really have any sporting people around me as such growing up, but... I just had this natural um, direction towards anything sporty and I just would always give anything a go. I think also because my background was we were pretty humble growing up that whenever they offered sports at school, I just jumped at the chance to try anything. So mm. I did end up being sports captain. Um, I did really well in athletics, but I had no training whatsoever. I was running in probably Dunlop volleys with holes in them but just ran my heart out and um, yeah came like first or second in every event and even tried other things like triple jump and uh, you know throwing and jumping and just was kind of an all-rounder but yeah didn't have any formal training at anything Um, it wasn't until I started high school and my father had passed away and I really, really withdrew into myself and went um, quite pale and my hair went dark and I was just throwing myself into my studies and I was so sad. And then mm. I finally got the chance to try tennis and that was a sport that my mother liked. So she actually invested some money in some coaching. So I got into competition tennis and I did really well at that. I got to a point where it just wasn't challenging anymore and so I switched to soccer. Mm-hmm. And so with soccer training, uh, it did involve a lot of running around ovals and uh, a lot of drills and things. And I just, I guess I think I reconnected with running through that, through playing soccer. I was playing outdoor and indoor. Mm. And uh, I only quit soccer when I was pregnant with my first child and I was playing indoor soccer in a mixed team that was quite violent, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite heated and I just thought this is way too dangerous and so I quit. But around the same time, I had friends that offered for me to go in a fun run, which was the Mother's Day Classic and raise money for breast cancer research. So I've just completed my 20th one on the weekend for Mother's Day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was the first time I'd done a running event and, you know, running for a humanitarian cause you know, it really struck a chord with me and that's how I picked up running. Wow. <laughs> and, like, I guess soccer, now that I, now that I know, and, and you did mention to the, me this before the podcast that you did soccer, it makes sense to me because you're good at speedy races. <laughs> so <laughs> all that soccer training, like, you know, that explosive um, 
movement that you need to have in soccer. Yeah. Um, obviously, set you up for a good running career. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what what did you find, like, when you think about the differences between, um, let's say, tennis, soccer, and running? Like, what did you love most about running that was different to those things? Um, see, I, I guess all of them involve involve a lot of agility. So maybe that's what's helped me with the transition to trail running. But uh, for road running, I just really liked the atmosphere of events and um, that I could try to build on some endurance and I was really trying to aim for certain times and speeds. Mm. And uh, Yeah, I, I did think, oh, maybe I've started running too late and missed out on some other opportunities that I could have done with it, but uh, it is what it is. And mm. yeah, I'm just still enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did you think you were miss, would miss it? Like have missed out on like starting oh. late, like being more competitive? Yeah. I, I really wish that I got to do more track running and mm. more racing earlier on. Um, I've since found out only just recently that my late father was a champion sprinter and it just, I just burst into tears when I found out because it just totally made sense. I felt like I had this odd uh, interest and skill that was completely separate from the rest of the family. But Mm. as it turns out, it was in the blood all along. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm sure your dad's looking down on you now, seeing all the running that you're doing and is pretty proud. (laughs) Well, the weird thing is, is that when I, especially when I do long endurance and trail running, I feel like he's with me. And I could never understand it, but I would ask him to protect me if it was a really tough terrain yeah. or I'd talk to him or I'd yeah, think about him and now it all kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you've been a part of RMA for a while now um, and obviously, as I mentioned before, you're an ambassador for RMA, for our Sydney community. What has been the highlight for you? of being part of RMA and how has that made an impact in your life with your running journey? I really love that you can turn up to any event in Australia and you'll see somebody with an RMA hat or a Mm. T-shirt or a singlet and you can make friends and make those connections instantly. I think that's just so beautiful. I think how it really encourages everybody of all abilities and all ages to participate in sport because I really see the health benefits for everybody, especially for mums. Um, yeah. That's the main thing. And that you can go to any park run or any race and there'll be people on the sidelines yelling out, go RMA. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just such a beautiful connected group uh, that transcends all these different barriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I love that too. Like you can go anywhere. Like it's, it's funny. Like sometimes I don't really realize it until I'm somewhere really random and it's just an RMA there. Like I just, yeah, it's, it's even amazing to me. So, uh, and yeah, I just think it's beautiful how just like you said, like it transcends all those barriers. Like it's, you know, it's allowing women to feel seen and heard and connected and giving them permission to have a try um because they can see other people having a go as well and it's Definitely. you know even um i guess a few years ago when 
I, I mean, I started trail running and then I, I guess RMA transitioned from this road running thing really to this trail and ultra and road running community. Um, the difference in the shift in women's running, I think has changed a lot in the last few years because a lot of women are seeing other women having a go and um, yeah, it's connecting women and supporting them. And it's not just about running either. And that's what I love. It's about that community and, when there's someone in our community, even like you said, Sydney, like it's, it's a big place. There's a lot of people and yeah, it is hard for us all to get together because it's funny in Sydney, like people over the other side of the bridge don't really want to cross here. We don't want to cross there either. It's funny. But at the same time, we all know each other and care for each other and connect with each other. Even if it's just online, we're there. Like it's like if something was to happen to one of our women, we'd be there for them. So it, it's not just about running it's it's so much more than that and that's what I love so much about it and I think the group is very enabling so mm. if you see mums in the area and they're like oh I couldn't do park run and you say you totally can like please just come um, and then they go from doing a park run then they go to doing a road event like say city to surf and then all of a sudden they come out for a trail run with you and then they say, oh, this is really fun. I never thought to go out here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're signing up for really big events like UTA yeah. and that's what really warms my heart is that people in the area, they've gone from not believing that they could even do parkrun to doing these really big, great events. Um, yeah, that's right. A friend of mine, she just ran her first trail marathon on the weekend. Uh, at uh, Royal National Park and yep. everybody was building her up, making sure she had the confidence um, because she's saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, it's so hard. And then she totally did it. She smashed it. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. Was that the Shri Chinoy The Shri yes. one? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a great thing. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I just love stories like that. I love it. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, I wanted to get your uh, take on what it was like for you well, what it still is like for you, really, running with children, because you have a five-year-old. What did you say, five? Yeah, five, uh, nine and 12. Yeah, so they're still relatively young. I mean, yeah. I've been there because when I started RMA 10 years ago, my kids were all around those ages and now obviously they're teens to almost 21. <laughs> but how do you juggle as a mum and a very busy woman who is, yeah. you know, working full-time, have your own business and obviously helping in other areas of life with humanitarian causes and yeah. training and yeah. looking after children. Tell us how you juggle all those balls. Yeah, it's, um, it is a massive amount of balls to keep in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just because of the nature of my work as well, I'm just, no matter what plan you could have for the day, it always changes. So mm. I just have this innate, ability to bounce between different things and reprioritize on the fly all the time mm. um, I've run the whole time that I've had my children and even while pregnant um, and even when I had my first child uh, yeah I just didn't see anybody that was pregnant and running around me but mm. I just did my research and I just slowed the pace and watched everything and I felt so much better for it mm. and I 
yeah, ran through all of their pregnancies and then safely returned straight after. I had a running stroller, so I would run with them. Um, they've all been able to sleep well in a stroller. And then I've included them at Park Run. We've been official high-fivers and marshals. And then my little one, Sophia, she, she's been on RMA socials before. She does run with me at Park Run occasionally. She loves trails. She loves bouncing over rocks and hands her hands in the air going, woo, this is amazing. <laughs> she's like her mother. <laughs> yeah, so I, I share that uh, with her, especially the other two. They prefer a lot of other sports um, like cycling and swimming. So we are a very sporty family. My husband included, he's a cyclist, he's um, road and mountain bike. Um, yeah, he, he does train a lot each week as well. So what's worked for us is that we have a very strict timetable, an exercise timetable between us. We go out each morning, one of us is exercising while the other is looking after the children and getting them ready for school. So he has Tuesdays, I have Wednesdays, he has Thursdays, I have Fridays, he has Saturdays, I have Sundays, and then we fight over Mondays. And then <laughs> um, while he's out cycling those mornings, I'm doing strength training at home. I've more recently, I've invested in a treadmill. So mm -hmm. uh, that was quite handy for my training, especially in the past year, because we've had massive flooding and and rain events in Sydney, our trails have been closed, especially the Blue Mountains. Yeah. So I've been able to like hike up Mount Fuji before work. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that. I've run the Chicago Marathon on my treadmill. I've, oh, wow. I'm, I'm getting a bit of extra stimulation, a bit of extra training and fitting it in. So the other thing I do is when... My son has AFL training, for example. I'm doing laps around the oval. I'm still watching him, but I'm also training. Yep. My daughter is in squads for swimming. She's swimming four afternoons a week. So I'm either in the pool swimming. When I was injured, I was water running in the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I even have strength bands that I take with me everywhere and I can do like crab walks and things. Yeah. So I just jam it into any crevice that I can find and make it work. <laughs> mm, I love it. And that's what we have to do, right? That's <laughs> just what we have to do. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's working for you and your family and it's keeping you active and healthy. And it's also showing your children, uh, I guess, what it's like to be active and healthy and, you know, yep. being a good role model for them in that way. I wanted to get uh, your opinion on your first race. So the Mother's Day Classic you went to, do you remember what that was actually like for you? I found a photograph of me from that event and I really had no idea. I wasn't wearing proper running gear. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a watch. Yeah, just uh, but I still enjoyed it. I had a smile on my face and uh, it was enough to hook me to do it every year since um, for during COVID when it wasn't on. Mm. And, yeah, I just, it gave me enough confidence to sign up for other events. So, mm. yeah, it was just like the beginning really. Yeah, yeah. And so what other races sort of followed that that you can tell us about? What were some of so, the highlights? Yeah, at first I was really into the road running. So I entered all the fun runs. So City to Surf I've done. 17 or 18 of those. I've yeah. signed up for that one again this year. 
um, Blackmores, I would do the bridge run each year, then got the confidence to step up to the half marathon and then I've done the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, Sydney Harbour 10. Yep. Yeah, any of those iconic Sydney races, I've done a lot of them. Mm. And then I started to get into trail running and uh, Sydney Trail Series is one that you'll regularly see me at and a lot of RMAs for that matter. Mm. Very accessible and, yeah, really well-run event. You know, I've only ever done Sydney Trail Series when it was down south. Um, yeah. You used to have one in the National Park down here and it was so good and they're not running it down here anymore, which is so disappointing. <laughs> Um, but I have, I think the one I was going to do up at Manly one year, I got injured and I couldn't do, and I haven't been able to make it to one since, but I'm, I really want to try and get to another Sydney trail series event this year. So we'll we'll book it in. (laughs) Book it in. That's right. So you started training for trials and ultras. What kind of led you to those? What appealed to you about them? And also have you got any favorite moments from any of those that you'd want to share with us? Oh, sure. Um, well, when I was a teenager, I got into a lot of bushwalking and we did a lot of kind of more extreme bushwalking and camping where we took a massive pack with all of our gear on our back. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into understanding the bush and the trails and reading the trails and I guess some of the endurance for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't really into trail running until maybe some people in my running group were running on some trails. We do like Sunday adventures and, yeah, I think I just got invited to go to one and I thought, oh, this is really good. It's a nice change to running on the road all the time. Um, And, yeah, I do love nature. I love taking photographs, which you'll probably see on my Instagram. Um, And so, yeah, that's, I think I just slowly got into a bit of trail running from that. Um, And also just from holidays, I always take running shoes every time I leave Sydney and yeah, just exploring local trails, either walking or running is a great way to see an area. And then in terms of races, I can't really remember my first trail race. Was it one of the, maybe the Sydney trail series ones perhaps? It could have been. Um, In terms of getting into ultras, when I was pregnant with my third child, Sophia, I kept dreaming of a trail race where I was going up lots of steep technical trails and it finished with this huge staircase and we ended up on this top of this mountain with these buildings and mechanical things and I never pieced the two together but then I kept having this repetitive dream of doing this race and then I got a promo on an email for the ultra trail and I looked at it and I went oh my god (laughs) is exactly what I've been dreaming of wow that's crazy pretty weird and I was still pregnant with her I hadn't even had her yet and then afterwards uh, I said to my husband I'm gonna sign up for this race I feel like I'm being told I need to do it and so I ended up doing UTA 22 for the first time Mm -hmm. and she was quite young she was only like a couple of months old Mm -hmm. and it was a big deal for me to be away from her for starters. I was breastfeeding. Um, so I had to feed her, go and do the run, 
which I loved, and I finished going, oh, my God, that's exactly what I dreamt. That is so weird. <laughs> um, I had runners high and everything, and then they were at the finish line and they threw the baby to me and I had to run and find a bathroom and breastfeed her. <laughs> but after that, I was hooked. So I've done uh, four UTAs and I've got another one pending, which has been postponed for everybody. But, uh, yeah, that's how I got into the ultras. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love that you had that dream. That is crazy. I can't believe it. It's exactly that race. When you were just saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's UTA. I have, very, I have very vivid dreams. That's uh, how I know I'm in tune with things. So yeah, uh, sometimes yeah. I get messages to do certain things. <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll talk about that again soon. <laughs> but um, so what was it that you loved about UTA? Because, I mean, a lot of people who are in RMA that's like a bucket list for them is to do UTA. And we had a big group of girls we were training this year, which, you know, disappointingly the race is didn't happen when it's supposed to, but hopefully a lot of those girls will still go on and we'll complete this race in October. Um, But what was it that hooked you about UTA? Cause every year I say, I'm going to do it this year. Like, and then every year I sign up (laughs) and every year I like go in the ballot, like a crazy woman trying to get that ticket. Um, Like, what was it that drew you to that event other than the dream, obviously? It just felt like the ultimate Sydney Trail Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really technical. It's got this amazing training block that you have to do before it where you have to do crazy amounts of stairs, strength training, hills. I don't naturally love doing that kind of terrain, but... That's what pushes me to be a better runner. I definitely prefer short, flat, fast, but uh, the challenge of overcoming that terrain is what draws people in and makes us all go back for more and more. Yeah. And I remember standing on the start line with you to your first, was it your first? It was my first 50, yeah. Yeah, your first 50. And, like, I think it might have been my third 50. Yeah. Third, yeah. and. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do UTA 50. But you were just, like, jumping out of your skin. You're, like, at the start line, like, let's go. (laughs) There's a photo of you and I running through the start line, which we should use as the cover for this because you've got the best face in that photo. You're so excited. Um, And it just made me, like, excited too because you just, we're like exuberating joy at that start line and you ran out like a rocket. Like I was like, <laughs> I was running with you for the first bit and then I was like, I am not staying with Natasha. She's going to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do go out fast, um, especially in the UTA because that's the road section. Road, yeah. That's where you can kind of get ahead of a bit of traffic and get into your spot. Um, yeah, yeah I, I did do that. Um, but, yeah, it was just because it was such a long training block and I, yeah. I dedicated, I trained, I train every day. I do something towards these A, a races. Yeah. But it was just the relief that I was finally there and I was so excited and scared and nervous, but it was like, finally, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And did you have a great day? I did, yeah. Yeah, I had a great run. Um, yeah. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, and now you've signed up again. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you had a great run. So what's your goal this year for UTA then? Well, 
I was, it wasn't my A race for the year. So I slipped down to the 22 and I was aiming to go hard and get a PB, massive PB for that. Um, But now we've got extra time and mulling over it saying, maybe I could do a (laughs) hundred. Oh yeah. Good. Yeah, you totally could do a hundred. Go on. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, we'll talk about that after podcast ends. That's, that's exciting. I've done the hundred and it's just the most amazing hundred I've ever done. Like, and, and it's all those things you mentioned, the training, obviously, I mean, this is what you've got to consider. Like it consumes you because it is one of the hardest trial races um, here in Australia. And, but it is like nothing else. Like the, the feeling you get when you cross that line after doing UTA 100 is just the biggest accomplishment. Like I've, I feel like I've done other than having children. Like obviously, like it's just um, incredible. And the, just the experience of the journey along the terrain and the, the benefit that you have is that you have done a lot of the course because you've done UTA 50, you've done the 22, you've done six foot. So you've yeah. done a lot of the course anyway. So you have that knowledge. Um, so yeah, let's chat after this. <laughs> so what would your um, tips be, I guess, for other mums wanting to get into trails and ultras? What would your tips be? Well, I think it just requires a lot of consistency and you're just building up slowly Um, perhaps following a training plan if you can get one like the ones that are offered through RMA fantastic you just build up slowly over time and you incorporate some staircases some hills some hiking hiking is fantastic for the long endurance stuff as well because there are a lot of big climbs where you literally just have to hike Um, so you can really just try to embrace the nature have your Sunday long outings, get a friend to join you. Definitely if you're not doing it alone, you'll be a lot more committed to it. And I really encourage people to reach out through RMA. Um, Within the Sydney group, you can sign up and connect with us and we'll all be there to push you along and get you going, point you in the direction of good trails that you can start off on but aren't intimidating where it's easy to navigate and where there's water stops and things like that and over time you'll build up your confidence and you always surprise yourself with what you're able to achieve Mm, I love that great tips and that's so true like and having a community of women around you to help you on that journey makes it so much more easier than you just going out on your own and you learn so much from other people who've been there before who started right where you are like you know so I absolutely think the community of women around you or men is a great way to start um, trail and ultra mm-hmm. running. Um, let's go on to now. I wanted to talk about uh, your journey at Lara Pinta because a lot of women in RMA have, and I know Kath White keeps talking to me about <laughs> Lara Pinta. She's dying to get out there. And since right. I've been on the Lara Pinta myself last year, Crewing Michelle on her epic adventure across the trail. Um, you know, you this wasn't in your radar this year, but you had been thinking about it for a long time. So do you want to share with the listeners, like how did you get to Lara Pinta and when did this even start in your mind? <laughs> Bit of a story. Uh, 
So I think it was that I went to Gutsy Girls Adventure Film Festival with some of my running friends and they have some stalls with uh, great businesses that uh, really promote women having adventures and I'm pretty sure that's where I first found out about it. It was a few years ago now and I had a flyer for Ron Lara Pinta and I had it on my desk um, and I just kept thinking I'd love to do that. I'd love to go to a part of Australia I haven't been before. I've never done a multi-stage race. I just want to connect with nature, being a very sacred area like Lara Pinta. And then I just put it aside going as if I can, as if we can do that, as if I can afford that, as if we can have that time to do it. And anyway, it just kept chipping away at me for the last few years. Uh, last couple of years have been really hard for everybody with COVID, pandemic, homeschooling children, all of that. And it was just chipping away at me nonstop. And then I would see that you went and supported Michelle doing it. It was Lucy Bartholomew running on it and seeing her film, then her podcast with you afterwards. And I just kept hearing Lara Pinta, Lara Pinta, just <laughs> kept calling me, kept calling me. So I had friends that did it um, in the April last year. They got to squeeze in to go there in between lockdowns and you know, their adventure there was amazing. They said it was the best run they've ever done. And they came back with stories and images. And I just thought, this is really something I want to do. And it sells out straight away. Um, so popular. I was encouraged by my friend Lon, who was a past competitor of the event. She said, they have a wait list, you know. Why don't you put your name on your wait list and just see what happens? And so I just put my name down and then... I think it was February, I got a call up and some people had pulled out and they said, we're offering you a spot. And so I was like, oh, this is my chance. And I asked, you know, I ran it past my family and I didn't really get much of a response to start with, but I just started committing to the train. Well, I was training for UTA anyway. Yeah. So I just started sharpening towards Lara Pinta in case. and then. It was agreed that I could go and so I signed up straight away and mind you, I had an injury at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't ideal, uh, but yeah, I just focused on it and I got there. Yeah. So let's talk about that experience. So you went on your own. So you got there and... What was, the, what was the vibe like? Like flying in to Lara Pinta for me, like flying into Alice Springs, like I'd never been anywhere like that in my life. Like I was, and that's one of the reasons I signed up to go and crew Michelle. Like when she first asked me to crew and pace, I was like, I don't know about you, but there was part of my brain that was like, um, oh, like I'm so desperate to see these places and do it. But at the same time, I'm terrified yes. that I'm not going to keep up and I'm in this foreign terrain and, and this, and I, and I wasn't doing a race. So there was no checkpoints or like, I was just like, um, I don't know if I can do it. Like, but something about the Lara Pinta drew me in and flying in. It was just incredible. Like just seeing the landscape and, from the sky, I thought yeah, I was stunning. in another place. Like, uh, amazing. I love Indigenous art and uh, flying 
we unfortunately we didn't fly direct. Uh, Sydney flights were going via Melbourne, and Brisbane flights were going via Sydney. Don't understand why, but we got to fly over Lake Eyre and yeah. see this beautiful terrain flying in uh, with the occasional waterhole, ridges, all the colours, with crystal clear sky, and that's what made me excited. Luckily, I. Um, made sure I had a window seat and I was just staring down at the ground going, yes, we're here. <laughs> Let me out so I can run across there. Yep. Absolutely. It's just amazing. Um, some of my favourite photos is from the, the plane. <laughs> like, just... I was taking photos from the plane as well and so were all the competitors on the plane. We're all leaning out the window filming and taking photos and we're all pumped, everybody. Yeah. So you obviously, you, did you stay in all in the same hotel, all the competitors in the same place? Uh, the, the main hotel that was the hub for the event was full, and especially because I was a late entrant. Yep. So I was just at the next hotel. So there's a, a string of hotels that are all together. So it was all within walking distance to get to the hub anyhow. So, uh, yeah, it was just really easy. So you just went in. The day before, we had a really detailed pre-race briefing. They went through our mandatory gear in a lot of detail and they wouldn't sign you into the race unless you had every single piece of kit, which is reassuring. You need it. Okay. <laughs> um, so they took the safety very seriously, which uh, I have a lot of respect for. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got to load all of the maps and navigation onto our phones that uh, didn't rely on data. So that was very reassuring to have all of that on there. Yeah. And what else? And just meet all of the different competitors from all around Australia. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess it's that kind of race where a lot of people do just come on their own as well. Like, you know, it's not it's not like the race costs $200, you know. It's an expensive no. experience and so people do come and to run on their own. So they're going to compete, but they're also going to meet other runners from different places as well. What was that like for you? Because that would have been a very different experience from other races. It was really exciting. I wanted to do a destination run for so long and just not, I mean, I love my family and I love having them at the finish line, but it was just nice to just go and just focus on being an athlete. Mm. And just soak that all up and be in that headspace without any interruption. Mm. So, yeah, there was, uh, while I did go on my own, I ended up meeting a lot of RMAs. Yeah. They're everywhere, really. <laughs> uh, right through from grandmothers through to new mums. And uh, what else? Yeah, everybody was just very warm. And there were all these six degrees of separation between everybody. But at the end of the day, everybody was there for the same reasons. A lot of people had had traumas during COVID. They'd lost relatives, um, husbands, brothers um, had cancer diagnoses. So there were a lot of people running for, for others and for healing themselves. And it was the perfect terrain to do that. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've said this before and I've said it to Michelle and, you know, there was something about going to Lara Pinta for me. It was right in the midst of COVID. Like we had that little window last year where we'd been through that whole year of trauma, yes. I guess, and um, had this tiny window before there was another window of trauma. Um, 
where we could go and just be, it, it was the what, thing I really love too, is there's hardly any phone reception out there. And, 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 you know, as much as I hated not being in contact with my family for those four days, it was almost like cathartic for me because I could just go and my focus was just being there for Michelle. Um, and not only that to just, I guess something for me and, immersing myself in that experience in that environment and I don't know it was such a spiritual experience for me like I just feel like something shifted in me and changed like the way that I wanted to live my life and view even just my running had shifted so yeah (laughs) yeah, I don't know there's something about the terrain and it, it is a sacred place like it's just beautiful so I can totally understand why people go there to do that um and and I guess feel supported and safe in that type of I guess race environment situation they know they're being looked after but in saying that it's unforgiving terrain it's really difficult terrain um and um you know they're putting themselves in in danger as well like it it is difficult terrain so it's great that the race takes safety really you know first and foremost like really important um because you need it out there there's no real help out there um unless you have a satellite phone <laughs> so or someone else in the course. So, you know, let's talk about what the day one was like for you because I know it didn't start like most races during the morning. Um, you started in the late afternoon running yeah, into started the in the afternoon and run into sunset and then into complete darkness. Um, so where Lucy did her and, and Michelle did their run from Mount Sonda and across to Alice, we started in the reverse direction. We were starting um, in Alice Springs and around the Telegraph Station um, near the Todd River. So, yeah, there was a big gap to wait and that is really strange because we're used to having our races start at the crack. Um, so the way I, I was super nervous because, again, it was something I haven't done before. But the way that I filled that gap was, um, and also filling up my cup was, I booked to do a hot air balloon at sunrise. Mm, and it took off from a paddock in the middle of nowhere and we just went up and drifted beautifully across all of the terrain. And it gave me a sense of the landscape and the space and connecting to nature and just um, having a bit of headspace for me. Um, land before I actually took part in the four days of racing Mm. so that was absolutely beautiful and I really recommend that and yeah got back and just felt really energized and really amazing and just got all my gear ready for the days ahead had everything lined up meticulously and then yeah finally got to the start line in the afternoon and again it was just it reminded me exactly of UTA 50 when I was with you I was a bundle of nerves but excited energy and I just couldn't wait to get going and I took off really fast. <laughs> Were you doing these ones <laughs> with your arms? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, like, it is beautiful, the sunsets out there and the sky. Like, what did you think of that? That's what I was there for. I really wanted to experience that. So I'm glad that in terms of the race that they incorporate that mm. the experience. Um, So my strategy was, because it was quite rocky, um, single track, I did go out fast and I tried to tackle as much of the terrain as I could while there was light because once the 
sun goes, it's pitch black. Um, and there were a lot of people, a lot of competitors fell that night on the rocks. So there was a lot of people with stitches and a guy face planted into a rock. He had a nose um, bandage for the rest of the race. So I really just tried to run a bit faster for the start, enjoyed the sunset, and then I ran consciously lifting my feet, um, being very careful and enjoying that little section in the dark. And I just remember looking up at the stars and just seeing this blanket of stars like I've never seen before. Yeah. And I just wanted to stop and lie down and look at them. But I was like, no, 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 keep going, keep going, and nearly at the finish. <laughs> oh, it's incredible, the sky. Like I, I think I've shared this before, but driving to one of the points to meet Michelle at like 3am or something, I was driving along the main highway there and I was so tired. I don't think I'd slept for like two and a half days. And I was like, what is that white thing? What is that white thing on the horizon? And I realized it was the moon. It was the biggest moon I have ever seen. It was an arc. Like it was like an actual arc like that, like of a moon. Most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. It just lit up the whole sky. It was incredible. Like, cause it's so dark out there <laughs> and there's no like lights from anything. It's just beautiful, beautiful. And you had great weather as well, which is incredible. Yeah. So lucky it was a heat wave in the 30s the week before we were there. Mm. And while we were there, the temperature dropped down a bit to the low to mid uh, 25s, which was so good. Yeah. And then it apparently went straight up again into the 30s after we left. So we had this great window. Yeah. That is incredible. You mentioned in your post when I was following along your journey on the Lara Pinta that each of your runs you um, dedicated to someone. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Uh, so I just thought you just run better on these endurance things when you have some other reasons besides just running the course. Mm-hmm. So I just decided that there was four legs. There was a lot of things happening around me and in the world. And so I just decided to dedicate a leg um, to these different things. So the first leg uh, I wore red. And it was my late father's favourite colour. And I was just um, thinking of him and how he's inspired my life. And, uh, yeah, I ran with him in my heart for that. And then uh, the next day I wore blue and yellow for the Ukraine, for peace in the Ukraine. And that's when I, I had an epic run that day. And I ran into the arms of the race director at the finish line and, I had my arms in the air going, that was amazing. And he was like, what, what? That's the hardest leg. And I said, no, I ran with runner's high for the last five kilometres, mate. And he said, tell me, tell me. And then so I said, I'm running today for the strong people of the Ukraine. And uh, so when they had their event dinner that night, he singled me out and made me stand up and uh, talk about how I dedicated each leg to a different cause. So. Mm. Yeah, I ran, I ran with them in my heart for day two and that really helped. And uh, then day three, I was running for um, my husband, Todd, who, you know, let me have this great adventure. Um, he and the coach, Kerry Suter from Squad Run, had both had massive cycling accidents in the past um, eight months. Mm. So I dedicated it to both of them. Um, traumatic to relive it again through Kerry and uh, I just was really thinking about yeah I could have lost my husband last July 
and so that was quite emotional as well. Mm. Uh, but I was thinking about how they're both dedicated to their recovery, how they're working hard, and yeah, there was a lot of lessons there to think about. Mm. Mm. So I wore black in the squad run top for Kerry because everybody in squad run was dedicating their kilometres to Kerry that day, and Ali. I should say, and uh, we were all fundraising to help with his recovery. He's had a spinal injury. Yeah. So that was quite special running for them that day. And then uh, day four, I ran with all my RMA. Well, I had RMA gear on every day, but I had full RMA kit. Mm. And I was running for RMA in our community and also for my children. I love that. <laughs> and I, I totally agree, like, dedicating each leg of that race or, you know, in any big race to someone or something is so important. And I guess when you're running along, you're thinking about that, like, you know, it's actually helping you to perform, helping you to do better, helping you to stay in the moments that get tough because that's what you're thinking about when it's tough or you're thinking, well, no, I'm I'm doing this for these people. Yeah. I'm stronger than that. You know, I can do this, you know, I'm not going to give up. So yeah. Just you this different reserve of, power I find like I just like I've said I don't really love really hilly rocky technical <laughs> trails but that's what this whole thing was about yeah, you yourself the technical thing I've ever done but yeah. I felt like I just breezed up these climbs because I had other things in my heart I just felt lighter it's hard yeah. to explain <laughs> yeah what was the terrain like like can you describe to someone who might be thinking about doing the Lara Pinta, can you describe what it's like to them? Uh, can I say that Lucy was completely right? You have to pick your rock because they all move. <laughs> the, the terrain is absolutely stunning, um, many millions of years old um, ranges that just come out of this super flat surrounding terrain. Yeah. Super, super rocky. Uh, the rocks all change colours along the way as well. There's red sections, there's purple, there's black volcanic, there's grey boulders, mm-hmm. and you just keep cycling through all these different areas and it's just stunning but challenging mm-hmm. <laughs> and treacherous. Uh, I, I didn't get to run on trails in Sydney in preparation for this, which wasn't ideal. And I don't think there is any terrain around us that could replicate this at all. However, it is what it is. But uh, you just have to be very, very careful. I would recommend if you're thinking of doing this event that you just really try to get as much trail experience as you can of running with all of your mandatory gear, with a lot of water and being very self-sufficient, navigating well and just getting all of those things really in place so that you have confidence to run on terrain like this. Um, There were days where we're completely self-supported. There's no water stations. They just drop you off with a bus as the sun's coming up and you've just got to make your way to the end. And so it's not for the faint-hearted at all. Um, And what else? Uh, You do need to have the bandages. I had a snake encounter, um, quite a big poisonous mulga snake. Um, when I was on my own in the middle of a riverbed, dry riverbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've faced all of my fears um, through trail running, of being alone, of running out of things, of, yeah, 
seeing creatures that are poisonous. Yeah. Trying to find the trail, um, all of that, all came into play for this race. <laughs> what did you tell yourself when you, like, what, what happened when you had the snake encounter? You were just coming right over a rock and there it was? or Yeah, it was, it was this section of dry riverbed where it was just massive boulders and it felt like the course markers were really few and far between. Uh, just like how Lucy got lost and things like that. Could mm. totally relate to that. And yeah, I just felt so alone. But I just knew I was eventually pointing in the right direction. And yeah, just seeing this snake, at least I, I just read it and it wasn't angry. It didn't really know I was there. It was kind of turning towards a rock crevice. And so I could just safely move around it and I just admired it. <laughs> I I thought it was maybe a python and not poisonous, so I took photo and video so I could identify it later. And other people were saying, how could you do that? You weren't even shaking. Um, but it's better the devil you know, really. Yes. I just would rather know what it was and just be careful and mindful. Um, it's their environment and I'm treading through there, so I respect them and, yeah, yeah. have its way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm lucky I didn't see any snakes on the Lara Pinta. I don't know. I mean, look, I've seen a few on the trails and same. I just move around them and it's fine. But, yeah, they're not my favourite thing to <laughs> see while I'm running and especially if you're alone in a riverbed. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's why they make you carry all those things, <laughs> all the mandatory yeah. gear for a reason. Yeah. Um, also, I recommend that you practice using it. So things like snake bandages, you can find videos on YouTube with how to actually use it because it's one thing to carry it but it's another to actually know what to do with it um, so that's what i'd recommend uh looking at before you do something like this as well yeah. even for trail running in general yeah 100 100 percent. how to use the gear what was the most challenging thing for you about doing a stage race it felt like four back-to-back -back utas to be honest so the endurance required was something i hadn't experience before especially day three my legs felt like lead when I started running and it took a couple of k's for them to even move properly mm. so yeah that was a unique feeling mm. uh, to experience that but it's funny you just become good you've got so much terrain to climb and warm up on that yeah it's just amazing what the body can do mm. how and how much like running versus walking do you think there is in this this race it's it is a real mixture um because yeah there was a lot of rock climbing and clambering um cliffs i was just very mindful because it was four days that you know if it was very technical just slow down and mm. handle the terrain properly and then you can always speed up on other sections so that's kind of how i tackled it but on the whole i mean especially Day one and day four involved a lot of running and days two and three was a lot more technical, a lot of climbing. Yeah, yeah. It was all good. I just kept saying this is what I signed up for. Yeah, that's right. It is what it is. You can't change the terrain. Yeah. So in light of the four days, what was the highlight of the race for you? Each day was amazing in its own right. So. Uh, yeah, day one, running into a sunset and being in the middle of this amazing desert and feeling like you're on your own, uh, that was really, really cool. Uh, day two, 
yeah, like I said, I ran with runners high, even though it was such tough terrain. I just felt really invincible. And so that was, yeah, the best feeling I've had in a trail race for quite a while. Just mm. you, you just can't bottle that kind of amazing energy you get from mm. a run like that. Um, yeah. Felt great. And then day three was a hard slog. But I just ran with some people that were a similar pace and we had fun out there. Took a lot of photos, a lot of videos. I have to put them together and make it into a little mini film. But yeah, uh, just admiring the scenery as well. Day three was really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then day four included, um, there was a steep climb. Um, and then I was running along this ridge line really fast. It was a lot more runnable and on my own. And I just had my hands out across the mountain top just saying this is just unreal this is what I came here for and I just really really loved that runnable section just mm. being there on my own it was so spiritual mm, I love that would you go back for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd love to I'd love to do the Mount Sonda end of the trail yeah Maybe we should go for a run. <laughs> well, I asked because, I mean, I, I don't particularly myself, I'm not really interested in going to do a race there, yeah. um, but I want to go back there because a lot of the sections, I mean, I did Mont- Mount Sonda at Sunrise, which was incredible. So we started in the dark and we summited at Sunrise, which was yeah. the most amazing experience um, nice. and running down at Sunrise as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other leg I did to Ellery <laughs> was totally in the dark the whole time oh, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah all in the dark pitch black from i think i've probably started i think i might have started at 1am or yeah. something like that um and then um the next leg i did was through the dark into day into the day like eight hours the last leg from uh, simpson's gap i think it was to the telegraph station 25 yeah. pages was in the dark and um, finishing in the daylight. Wow, that would um, be amazing. Yeah, but, I mean, we were walking. Um, but I'd like to go back and see <laughs> a lot more sections I missed, obviously, yeah. and in, in daylight. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I am thinking of probably trying to plan a trip up there um, with just a few girls and do Mount Sonda, like, and just hike, like just do Mount Sonda camp in swags and like really have an experience yeah. like that. So yeah. Keep me in the loop. <laughs> Come along. Um, so what's next for you, Natasha? Have you got any things coming up soon or is it just UTA in the distance for you? Uh, yeah. It's a bit of a come down after that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got the depression happening already. <laughs> no, not quite. I just keeping my ears peeled for the next Thing. Um, I have signed up for some road events and in Sydney, but it just yep. doesn't really cut it in terms of adventure. That's what I really am craving. Yeah. So, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas, let me know. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a chat to you after this podcast about that. So let's do the RMA Hot Lap now. So I have five questions for you, which we do at the end of every podcast. The one that I've chose for you is, what was your favourite thing to eat? on the Lara Pinta while you were running? Uh, I have to say spring energy gels. Yep. Yep. What's your favourite flavour? Can they sponsor me? The applesauce is great. Um, Canterbury and speed nut. 
Yes. Yeah, so I don't love the speed nut, but I'm a, I'm a lover of the apple sauce. Like that is awesome sauce. That is like, um, like eating, like, you know, when you have Christmas dinner and you have the apple stuff on the side of your pork, <laughs> like it's just like having that. It's so good. Or apple pie in your mouth. It's yum. All right. What is your favorite thing to wear when running? Hmm. Uh, I have to say the RMA visor because it uh, keeps the sun and the rain out. We've got constant rain. It's raining again here in Sydney at the moment. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just easy. And then it's also an identifier. You always get a nod from people going, yeah, RMA. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your favourite song to run to? Do you run to music? Oh, I used to run to music and I've actually stopped. Um, so if I'm doing just a long urban run on my own, I listen to podcasts actually, running related ones. Yep. Uh, so RMA podcast and Sparta Chicks Radio is my go-tos. Um, and then if I'm running on trails, I don't run with any music. I like to listen to the birds and yep. the sound of my feet. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I'm a bit of a podcaster too when I'm running now these days. I love it. If I want to go really fast, I might chuck on music. Um, but most of the time I'll just pot along to podcasts. I just love listening to other people's stories. So yeah, yeah, it just makes me get out of my head and just like just just run. Like, I don't know, just soaking up the stories as I'm going. Yeah. Um, okay, what has been your favourite running moment so far? Oh, I've got a few. Uh so uh, Blackmore's Marathon in 2019, I had a cracker of a race. It was, I, I've run marathons before, but it was my first marathon race event. Yep. And again, I finished with runner's high and just so pumped and it helped me with a qualifier for Chicago Marathon, yep. which is still hanging in the wind because um, mm. COVID has been postponed, but I'm doing that next year. Um, and then in terms of trails, uh, that first UTA 50 with you, that was an awesome race. And then Lara Pinto just gone. Yeah. Love it. All right. And my last question for you would be, what is one word to sum up your experience so far? Uh, can I have two words? Sure. Have two. <laughs> Life changing yeah totally life-changing uh it it really helps balance my career the running and the adventures that I have it helps feed my soul and it inspires my kids as well they come out with me for adventures and they seek it out too so mm. and definitely my husband is happy that I do this because it makes me a happier mother and wife mm. And it also helps inspire him to push hard with his cycling. Mm -hmm. Love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Natasha. I look forward to sharing more of your adventures to come, hopefully together. And, you know, can you let the listeners know where they can follow you and find out more about your journey? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on the RMA Facebook page and um an admin for the Sydney group. So if you're in Sydney, please come and join us on there. We want to welcome everybody. And then I've got an Instagram, which I've only just flicked 
to public. Um, it's natasha.hammond. So you'll find me there. I take a lot of photos when I have my adventures. So hopefully it inspires you to get out there and have your own. <laughs> yeah, I'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was fantastic. Well, I hope you loved this episode with Natasha Hammond. Please head over and subscribe, rate and review the podcast and please share it with your friends. And I look forward to bringing you another episode with another fabulous guest next time. For now, I hope you're all safe and well and I'll speak to you soon.